You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Father Josh Waltz. I'm Father Justin Waltz. Brothers in blood. Brothers in the priesthood. Well, it's time to have our very special guest. This man uh, is extremely educated. A uh, couple master's degrees. He's uh, for 25 years. He's been following uh, private revelation. His, uh, I mean, he's he's really an incredible man. He's got a lot of gifts, a lot of talents, um, and so I want to welcome personally to the show, Father Justin Waltz. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, so, yeah. so good to have you on. Now, so we've been talking about. <clears throat> I told you. Good. Well, we're back after some technical difficulties. I, I don't know if you heard my grand introduction uh, to our special guest. It's my brother, uh, <laughs> the older Thunder. And uh, but anyway, we were talking about how everything going on, the facts surrounding uh, the the concentration camps in China, the political upheaval in America, the coronavirus pandemic. All this stuff seems so. Cal- even our last caller said it just seems kind of calculated. Um, and even the, the resentment against our current president and administration, the, the split between Democrats and Republicans. So we have all that going on in the, in the background. And now we're going to narrow everything in on what private revelation is saying. So Father Justin has been following this for many years. As I said, he, he keeps me up to speed. I don't follow it very much. Um, but he's going to kind of sh- just explain, give us a snapshot of what private revelation seers uh, within the modern era are telling us. So this is uh, a really uh, large question, and <clears throat> I say that I've been following it for 25 years. Our father, Herb, uh, had a group in the Fargo Diocese. Father Josh and I are actually from the Fargo Diocese uh, that had, had, it, had this massive conversion in college and uh, really sort of uh, developed a Catholic uh, young adults group at that point back in the 70s. And maybe even a little bit earlier than that, that became a prayer group. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that we were doing, you're praying around abortion clinics, you know, you know, daily mass. Dad was involved in a lot of the, the church activities, so forth and so on. But a man by the name of Bill Savageau, uh, who, you know, was a, a really info, info, uh, important person, influenced my life tremendously, uh, had started reading some of the stuff that had preceded even the 1970s. And Dad had gotten into that, and then just over the course of years, you know, being at my father's knee, so to speak, uh, had been paying attention, you know, to these discussions that were going on. And I can remember Our Lady of Fatima, uh, you know, the statue even coming through the Fargo Diocese and, you know, praying the rosary and wondering what Fatima was all about, what was the big deal. And as I got older, particularly in high school, this really, um, I, I have to say, kept me connected to my Catholic faith uh, because there was just... Even in the 90s, there was just so much transition that was beginning to happen. And, you know, then at that point, we were looking to the year 2000, which if you go all the way back to the turn of the first millennia. You know, even then people sort of expected that something was going to happen. So the Mayan calendar, the right? Mayan <laughs> calendar, all these sorts of things. And, you know, the bishop, that's why we started with him today, because we wanted to. Uh, you know, really have him lay the foundation of, of what, you know, public revelation, the scriptures, the magisterial teachings of the church, which literally, folks, are our anchor. This other stuff is can get sensational, and we, we love to listen to it. And as the bishop, I think, really, really clearly and, and, and well stated, uh, you know, it can be the answer to the mess that we're living in. And when, in fact, 
you know, sometimes they can become almost heretical, but people are just looking for an answer to the, the upheavals that we're in at any particular time, that this is very appealing to them. But I do believe uh, that this has a place in our Catholic faith. And so I've been, like I said, following it for a good 25 years. Uh, you know, I'll lay it aside for a while um, and then kind of come back to it. And there's there's just a lot of different levels. And so what I wanted to take, we're going to have... Uh, a several-part series within the Sons of Thunder show that's going to be covering uh, this particular topic. And so we're hoping, hoping to have a man by the name of Mark Mallett on uh, uh, The Word Now, I believe is his blog. If you haven't followed him, he's been following this stuff for you know a good 15 years and running this blog for 15 years. Tremendous writer. Uh, and he certainly has the, the gift of discernment of spirits. There's another gentleman in the United States uh, Mark's from Canada. There's been another one by the name of Daniel O'Connor. Um, he's out in, the, in New York. Uh, he uh, has his own blog. I would encourage people to get on his and, uh, and read some of the stuff that, that he's writing. They, together with a couple others, have developed a website called uh, The Countdown to the Kingdom, and, which is a, a tremendous site. And so that particular site deals with like what I call the third level. And that's modern seers right now, neither condemned or approved. But to get this discussion rolling, uh, I want to start by going back uh, really all the way uh, to the first uh, major apparition, which was Our Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, And that's it's interesting that that happened right around the same time as the Reformation, as did the Sacred Heart of Jesus came almost immediately after that, right? So as the church broke into into two pieces, so to speak, the Protestant uh, and, uh, you know, the, the Catholic foundation, obviously, immediately heaven begins to speak. And so it was almost as if that was a very definitive sign that we had entered into some other, you know, segment, if you will, you call it whatever you will, some other time in salvation history because this type of thing really had not happened. And after that, there was this explosion of, you know, private revelation, whether it be Jesus or our mother from heaven coming with with really major, major prophetical uh, statements and devotional stuff that the church would need. And it's almost as if sin began to increase in the world, as Paul says, grace also began to increase. Now, before we jump forward to Fatima, I just want to suggest a biblical timeline to you uh, for your own discernment, which I find to be sort of fascinating. So we're just going to talk about it in segments here real quick. If you if you go back uh, and we start with Adam, right? Adam and Eve, whenever that is, there's a sin that happens in the garden. The speculation is, is that there's about 2,000 years from Adam uh, to the flood. Now, the flood is a very historical, you know, biblical moment that we can measure, we can start measuring time. But that... That's like an event that has never happened ever, right? I mean, it's a global, massive event in human history, and it radically changes not only humanity, but the course of humanity for all time. So Noah comes out of that, uh, and that brings us um, to Abraham, which is about another 2,000 years, okay? So Abraham, then, is, you know, a, a, a very small event between God and Abraham, but it's a massive spiritual event because it's the foundation then uh, of the entire you know, Jewish race, right? So uh, we have then out of Abraham, the 12 tribes and the creation of the 12 sons, the creation of the 12 tribes of Israel and, and, you know, and then all of the Jewish nation. 
There's obviously the Exodus uh, with Moses, but 2,000 years after Abraham, you then have Jesus, okay? Between Abraham and Jesus, you have the Jewish kingdom, and it starts small, right? About 500 years into it, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're escalating down into the, the Jewish captivity, yeah, the captivity in Egypt. Uh, you have Moses that comes out of Egypt, and then you have the establishment of the true kingdom in Israel. You have the height of that uh, about, you know, 1,500 years later um, with Solomon and David. And then after that, for the last 500 years, you have the split of the Jewish kingdom from the north and the south. There's, there's a fracture. And then that leads us finally to the, the time of Jesus in which you have Roman occupation. Uh, the second temple had been built, um, but it's anything but what it should be. Uh, because it, it, you know, it's it, it's Roman occupied and and not functioning as, as Judaism did in the height of it during Solomon and David's time. Okay, then you have this again small event. I mean, if you really think about the incarnation, it's not that globalized. You know, I mean, it's just in Israel uh, on the day that Jesus was crucified. You know, the people in Jerusalem knew about it. But it's not like the people in Rome probably had any idea, or for that matter, the rest of the world had any idea that it had happened. But it was the most significant event that has ever happened in the history of humanity. So again, it starts small. Just like Abraham, you have him, Just then you have Jesus. Just like Abraham had his 12 sons, you have Jesus with the 12 apostles. Just like we had the early sort of time of the establishment of, uh, you know, the, the growth of those 12 sons into the 12 tribes of Israel, you have the first 500 years of the church. Uh, and the church fathers. Then, just like it eventually ends up with uh, Christendom, or excuse me, with uh, the height of Judaism, with Solomon and David, or David and Solomon, you have the height of Christendom um, in, in, in the Middle Ages. Uh, that takes us to, you know, around the year 1525, when we had the Reformation, just like the Jewish kingdom broke into two, so uh, the Catholicism breaks into, or Christianity breaks into two factions, the Protestants and the Catholics, and that leads us into the last 500 years, of which we are at the absolute end of it right now, and we are what? Basically occupied by a pagan power. What's the pagan power? What's the culture, right? The culture right now has truly and totally infiltrated in, infiltrated the church uh, within the sense that, you know, it's not like it's controlling the hierarchy or anything like that, but the amount of people that have fallen away from their faith just do... Uh, you know, to that particular culture and the erosion of what it's done, not just to Catholicism, but to all religions, right? Uh, financial prosperity and, and sort of a general paganism and worship of pleasure and power has, has snatched how many of our sons and daughters um, away from the church. And that then leads into the beginning of the kind of the final run is what I'm calling it, which I think is marked uh, by, by Fatima. Now, before we get into Fatima, and we're coming up on a break here, which I'll probably save the whole timeline until we, we get on the backside of the break. But in order to understand that, and, and again, all of this is private revelation. So you don't need to believe this. Uh, the ones I'm going to be talking about, I will tell you about when we get back from the break, but I'll tell you whether they're approved by the church or whether they're still in limbo. I'm not going to share anything with you that's been condemned by the church, and there have been numerous uh, seers over the course of the last hundred years, and this hundred years is very important, uh, that, that actually have been uh, condemned. Bayside, uh, the, the visionaries of Bayside, for example, uh, were proved to be uh, doctrinally at fault. So 
Well, there, so, you, there you have it. It's the uh, the platform has been laid. The platform has been laid. <clears throat> Biblical history. Where when we get back, we're going to start with Fatima and roll all the way into the modern Sears and the times that we're living in. Until then, we are brothers in blood. Brothers in the priesthood. See you after the break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. The world is changing fast and needs problem solvers and critical thinkers. Right here in your backyard, Not Marty believes every student has the potential to serve the world and make a difference. We will help you obtain a degree that prepares you for success by exploring your talents and passion. Our community goes above and beyond to help each student feel at home, surrounded by love and support. We can't wait for you to see what's possible, and we hope the future brings you here, close to home at mountmarty.edu. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. This is Father Bo Braun from the Diocese of Duluth. It's my second year anniversary as a priest today, so I figured it's a good time to talk a little bit about priesthood and my favorite part about being a priest. You know, it's intense because you just think about where the priest stands. The priest stands, he stands in the place of Jesus Christ. He stands in between the people and God. And uh, that place is a, there's an intensity of life and there's an intensity of love there. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about the, I think the best times as a priest are those moments where God lets you feel that intensity. You know, so the Mass, I would say, is the, is the highest point, obviously, because in the Mass, it's the, the most intense prayer from the Son to the Father, and I'm caught up in the middle of that. But yet, I, I give all of that love then to the people, and uh, all through my, my ordinary and, and very little heart. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Father Josh Wood. And I'm Father Justin Wood. We are the Sons of Thunder. And I'll tell you what, I just uh, I got a text from a buddy of mine who's listening into this uh, program, and I referred to my brother as the older Thunder. And I didn't know this, but Hilaire Belloc, the great... Uh, poet that was his nickname the older thunder and then he said i don't know what we don't have a nickname for younger thunder and i'm like well that's me hey we're back on here we're having some technical glitches i don't know if you heard anything i just said so i'm just going to turn it over to my brother because we're on a time crunch to get in everything that's been going on in the private revelation area from fatima to pope leo the 13th to garabandal to private seers Take so it away. we laid the biblical kind of timeline just a suggested one and uh what we're saying is is this back end 500 years beginning with our lady of guadalupe and literally the Re- reformation uh there has been a slow but steady sort of explosion of revelations to seers of the blessed virgin mary most particularly 
and Jesus uh, along that timeline as well. So I then uh, am going to explain what I refer to as level two. Now, these are either definitively approved uh, revelations, uh, such as the case of Fatima, um, or they are ones that have never been uh, disproved and or condemned. So uh, they're still being studied. And something like Medjugorje, for example, uh, is still ongoing. And so as long as it's ongoing, nothing uh, can be decided until it's over and it can be studied usually for, for many, many years. So before we t- talk about Fatima, the last little sort of factoid that I would like to share is a story about Pope Leo XIII. And Pope Leo XIII, uh, I believe it was 18, late 1800s, we'll say 1889, was celebrating Mass with other cardinals in his private papal chapel. Uh, at the time of somewhere in the consecration, uh, he literally passed out and uh, they thought he had died and was out for, for a while. And when he came to, he finished Mass, and then he went to his private study, after which he composed what we now know as the Leonine Exorcism. Now, a lot of Catholics probably are not familiar with that exorcism, but most Catholics are familiar with the St. Michael the Archangel prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. That particular prayer is part of, it's the end of the Leonine Exorcism. And so... Uh, He commanded then that that prayer be prayed after every single Mass uh, that there was. And that went on all the way to, I believe, Pope John XXIII, uh, for for reasons I'm not aware of, uh, ended that. And a lot of that came with the Novus Ordo and and Vatican II and everything else. So we kind of got rid of that. Um, But you still certainly can pray it at the end of Masses, and many priests have their their parishes praising them, or praying it. So the question is, why or what happened that, you know, got him on that particular venue. And the answer to that is, is he recounted, and you can, you can read about this online uh, with everything else in the world, but uh, he recounted to uh, his secretary at the time that when he had gone down, it was he didn't pass out, he was having a vision. And the vision that he had were, was that uh, the legions of hell were surrounding Rome and, and had been un- unleashed from hell. And the devil entered into dialogue with the Lord, and he said, I can destroy your church. And the Lord's response was, you can, can you? What do you need? And he said, 100 years and power over anyone who will give themselves into my service. And there was a pause, and the Lord said to him, you have the time and the power. Do as you will. So he came to and realized that the greatest spiritual battle ever was about ready to take place. Uh, And he composed that exorcism, probably in the spirit of prophecy, as the Holy Father, and invoked St. Michael, the great commander of the legions of heaven, uh, to defend the church. Well, if you just stop there and you look at between 1889 and 2020, what has happened to the Catholic faith? I mean, we're at record low numbers across the world as far as church attendance. As we said earlier in the show, the greatest persecution ever has taken place in the church. We had the priest scandal. Heck, after Vatican II, 9,000 priests left the priesthood, and heaven knows how many sisters, and that has not really rebounded. And it's just not looking real great. So has the church been attacked by the devil? It's been attacked by something. Uh, And so it seems as though the the proof is in the pudding. Secondly, St. Catherine Emmerich, who received, uh, she was a suffering soul and received all of these 
uh, visions that fill in sort of the gospel, right? So it's all the background information of what was actually going on during the time. She says uh, that about 60 years um, before, excuse me, 40 years before the year 2000, that uh, the devil and his angels were be, to be released from hell. And they were going to attack the church. And she talks in her vision. She taught, you know, saw priests fighting priests, bishops fighting bishops. Again, private revelation. But, I mean, that's pretty much going on in our modern time. You simply read uh, any Catholic news site, and you're going to find that there is division, with, without a doubt right now, in the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. So, that takes us to 1917, in which Our Lady of Fatima appears to the three children um, in Portugal, Fatima, Portugal. Something very interesting about Fatima is that uh, Muhammad's oldest daughter uh, was actually named Fatima. Uh, and so they, they think the long-term projection of these revelations is actually going to be, on some level, the, the, the coming in of Islam into the Catholic faith. Uh, that's just speculation. But in these apparitions, which many think uh, 1917 was actually the beginning uh, of the hundred-year period uh, of the reign of the devil. And so what happened was, is, is the devil unleashed his war against the Catholic Church, uh, Our Lady, which it's prophesied all the way back in the Garden of Eden that she would crush his head. So the war literally be- is between, uh, you know, Our, Our Lady and, uh, and, and the devil himself, and so, which they say she, he is absolutely terrified of her. So she came to our assistance and it was in those apparitions that she prophesied several different things. First off, that there was, uh, you know, this war. Well, you know, you had World War I, but there was going to be a worse war if the people didn't convert. And she said uh, in, this, in the apparitions that when you see a mysterious red light in the north, uh, that that's, this war is about to happen. Well, that in 1933, when the Nazi parties took over, they had this rare, extremely rare manifestation of the northern lights in which they, they thought like that northern Europe was on fire. It was in all the papers of the time. Uh, well, shortly afterwards, you have World War II. Another, another uh, thing that they saw were that you know, souls were falling into hell at an unprecedented rate uh, due to the sins of men. And probably the biggest two uh, was the third part of the, the final revelation in which she said, if Russia is not converted a.k.a. communism, uh, and that conversion was to happen through the consecration of Russia by the Holy Father, that she would spread her errors throughout the world, and that would lead to the dis- annihilation of nations, and, and basically, if you, you know, interpret it correctly, in my opinion, it's kind of the apocalypse and, 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 and a massive third world war. Um, but she said, in the end, her immaculate heart would triumph. Well, that is up for discernment, I suppose, but as far as I can tell, that is not, we haven't had the triumph yet. So this is still an ongoing thing. And so, like I said, that Leo Thirteenth vision with it, a lot of that, uh, or a lot of people would say that happened between 19, or 1917 and 2017 uh, was actually the, the first year of him losing his power. So, moving along the timeline then, we get to Garabandal, Spain. Now, I'll say it up front, Garabandal uh, is not an approved apparition by the church, but it also has not been condemned. And these seers within Garabandal, the main thrust of Garabandal is what's referred to as the warning and the chastisement. And so, basically what Garabandal is saying is that 
uh, there was going to be this moment of the illumination, and there have been many other seers that have seen it, that you can either call it the illumination of conscience, you can either call it the <clears throat> illumination of conscience, you can call it uh, uh, the awakening, and Garibandal calls it the warning. And so the way uh, it's described, basically, is that the entire world, time is going to stop completely. And for about 15 minutes, every single human soul, like I'm talking if there's a plane flying, the plane stops. If you're driving, that's not, I mean, every, everything, if you're asleep, you're suddenly awake. Uh, because God obviously is omnipotent and can do anything that he wills. He's going to do this. Uh, and it will be similar to a biblical event as the flood. Right? Remember our timeline? So we're in the very back end. And just like the, we had the Garden of Eden and the flood, we're heading in reverse from Jesus. And so we're going to basically have this warning. And then depending, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a second, depending on what happens with the warning, we either have the chastisement, the Antichrist, all of those things that eventually leads into this potential era of peace that Revelation talks about, which is a thousand years. More about that in a little bit. The warning itself, though, is going to be like your particular judgment. So at the time that we die, we all come before Christ, and we have sort of this life review, and basically God is going to show you what you have chosen, and in that choice, therefore, what you want for all eternity. And if you die in the state of mortal sin... Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that what you've chosen is not to be with God, but to be eternally damned. And those who have been through that and, and lived to see it, so to speak, uh, have uh, Stephen Shire, Father Stephen Shire comes to mind. He was sent back after his death. Uh, and he says, you, you sit there and you're like, yes, Lord, that's exactly what I want. You're not even bothered by it because you're in the presence of truth itself. There is no rebuttal. You've made your choice for all eternity. Well, this great blessing is going to be in time. Uh, and so if you're going to hell, you're going to have a life review and you'll, you will see all of your sins. You will see that why you've chosen hell. And, and according to this, you will actually experience what it's like to be in hell. And so it's obviously geared towards everyone's repentance. Same thing with purgatory. If you're going to purgatory, you're going to see why you're going to purgatory, what your sentence in purgatory would be, and what in fact it's going to feel like to be in that place in purgatory. And if you're on your way to heaven... Uh, they say that this will be totally welcomed by those people because God is just going to show him where they can love and live in his divine will uh, in, in even a deeper, a deeper level. So then the seers at Garibandal said, the world basically has a choice at this moment because this is going to be a, a, a biblical event like the flood. And if we repent and turn from our ways, that leads in uh, to the unleashing of, the, uh, of a second Pentecost, which then is basically what we have been praying in the Our Father uh, for 2,000 years. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, that, that is a petition, everyone, that we have been asking God for. And this is where a lot of people will say, oh, well, the next point in biblical history must be the return of Jesus himself to earth, right, in the, in, the, in the final judgment. It doesn't seem, and if you read scripture through this prism, it, it, there's definitely room for this, that it doesn't seem as if that's what's going to take place. If, if we repent, we seemingly uh, head into this, what I refer to as the era of peace, which is God's will totally and absolutely chosen by man and, and, and mankind living in the fiat 
of divine will, which is the, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which is exactly the way that God wanted the earth to be uh, from, from the very beginning. If, so that he, God gets his way in the last thousand years, which is figurative, and, and Christ is, doesn't return, but he, we live sort of a Eucharistic reign, whatever that might be, but it's deeper than what it is now. If we do not repent at the warning, we're still going to get to that, but we've got to pass through the apocalypse, and that's when we're going to get the Antichrist uh, and three and a half years where the church passes through the exact same thing uh, that Jesus did in his passion, and that seemingly is what we are on the verge of right now, which that lays the foundation then, everyone, for all of the revelation that is presently happening in the world, and there are seers all over the place. We're going to give you a little taste of that when we get back from the break, so please... Stay tuned for the completion of the Private Revelation series on the Sons of Thunder. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 